Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face-to-face, -face, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. Just kidding! It's Cassidy McCraney. My dad got pulled over. He got a ticket somewhere on 400 South, and so this is the backup plan that we just devised just a few minutes ago, and I'm really nervous. You guys out there don't know what it takes to stand up here and uh, do this. I'm kind of shaking. Anyway, while I have this opportunity, I would like to say, I never have this opportunity. I should have it more often. Um, I would like to say thank you to all of you out there who have prayed for my family from the beginning, uh, who have uh, kept the show in prayer, the ministry in prayer, and they've worked, and I don't think people really know that. Um, but my whole family has come out into a saving relationship with the Lord, and I just praise God for um, your prayers and just your love for us and your uh, patience with all of us, especially my father who uh, has a pretty tough job. He really does, and your prayers for him mean so much to us. So thank you, and thank you. I just have the opportunity, so I'm going to. The Webster family, they do everything for us. The Websters are the masterminds behind everything that happens at the Lacey Ministries. Derek, Zanita, Crystal, Chance, Brandy, and Kelsey, and Blake, and Tiffany, and Jocelyn. Thank you, Marnita, who does the cameras. Uh, she's a wonderful person, and she uh, really is a great spirit and one of my good friends. And Linda Cassidy and... Uh, Kathy, Maggie, and Wendy, who answer the phones and do everything else in the back. And Merle, our wonderful director, who is just the most Christian man you'll ever meet in your life. And our wonderful audience, who come every, every day. Loyal supporters, HOTM fans are the best. It's just such a blessing from God to be able to do this. So, I'm so glad I didn't cry. Yay. My dad will be here in five or six minutes. He's here now! Yay! So, I'll hand it off to him. <laughs> Hi. This is new. How you doing? <sighs> so she kept you entertained? <sighs> hey, uh, if you're a, uh, did you say live from the Mecca of Mormonism? He let me off. I'll tell you the story when we come back. In the meantime, uh, affordable automotive is an excellent place to take your car. So, uh, especially for smog checks and things like that. If uh, I got pulled over for speeding. Uh, but uh, listen, let's uh, go to the uh, Aletheia Ambassador spot. We'll show you if you're interested in learning more coming out of Mormonism. These people are all... Uh, uh, representing the Lord, and you can meet with them if they're in your area, so let's run where they're from, and we'll come back and update you on what's just gone on and get into the show.
So if you're interested in, in uh, talking with somebody who lives in your area, if you saw somebody who lives in your area there, uh, write us, Sean at Aletheia Media, and we'll put you in contact with that ambassador from that place. And of course, if you want to be an ambassador, write us at the same place. We'll put you in touch. I <clears throat> uh, was best, blessed to speak at uh, Provo Baptist Church this past Sunday. Uh, if you need a place to <clears throat> detoxify from uh, organized religious influence, check out Provo Baptist on Sunday. They really teach who Jesus is, what he came to do, and what, he's what he established. Address, I think, might be up on the uh, screen at some point in time. Uh, want an excellent docudrama related to the Mormon Christian debate? debate. Uh, a Mormon president is one that we uh, are offering uh, from our ministry, so check this out. Is America ready for a Mormon president? I would love to see Mitt Romney go to the White House. Yes, I think America's ready for a Mormon president. No way a Mormon's going to get in the White House. The odds of him being elected president are zero. What happened when the Mormon prophet Joseph Smith ran for president? If America knew the power seeking that was in Joseph that continues to be in the LDS church today, they would be very frightened to have a Mormon president. Was there a political conspiracy to murder Joseph Smith? Is anti-Mormon prejudice still alive and well in America today? I've gotten several comments of like, you're a Mormon and you're in a cult. Their doctrine does not reflect Christian teaching as we understand it. It makes me crazy if somebody ever accuses me of not being Christian. And the name of the church says it all right there. Why are Americans in such disagreement about the Mormon church? They would love to take over the world, and I think they believe that they will someday do it. There's a lot of rumors out there, and most of them without basis. Every single thing connected to Mormonism is a byproduct of the embodiment of Joseph Smith. He had been dragged from his home in an effort to kill him, and a Protestant minister was a member of that mob. Today, Protestant leaders reject Joseph Smith as a false prophet. You can't understand the challenge facing Mitt Romney until you know the untold story of Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism. Explore the controversy surrounding Joseph Smith and the Mormon quest for the White House. Prophet of God, polygamist, politician, who was Joseph Smith? Joseph Smith is a puzzle. Larger than life. I would say Christ-like. It would have to be charlatan. He was a mighty prophet a mighty prophet of God. Join the debate, the drama, make your decision. Is America ready for a Mormon president? All right, and uh, we also are excited to present our most recent Aletheia Ministries Literary effort where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face to face, an A to Z doctrinal comparison between Mormonism and biblical Christianity. We think these products are excellent references for anybody to have, Christian, especially the LDS. Uh, now, before A to Z hits the bookstores, we're offering it to our viewers at a discount. The list price is going to be pricey $34.95. Does not include shipping, but you can get one mailed to your house before Christmas. Shipping included for 30 bucks uh, straight donated to, uh, as an offering to uh, Aletheia Ministries. Now, uh, in order to uh, order the video, A Mormon President, Mormonism A to Z, 
uh, I was a born-again Mormon, if then, girl, any of the stuff, go to www.hotm.tv. Derek, what are we asking for a Mormon president? Minimum gift of 25 uh, for Mormon president donated if you can. And then uh, if you're not internet savvy, you can uh, write us at 4760 Highland Drive, number 515, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84117. Make sure you just include what products uh, that you would want. So I'm uh, late for the show. I was here at the station, and then I left. We kind of create rules in, in the ministry based off uh, things that happen. I'm sure a new rule is going to be, Sean cannot leave the station for one hour before in the car because of this very circumstance. Uh, I see the lights come on. The cop pulls me over. I was speeding and I knew it. So I just rolled the window down, had my license, registration. He walks up. How you doing? I said, I was speeding, huh? He said, yeah, took my license. Where are you going? He looks like a Mormon. I said, well, I'm late to something. He said, well, where? And I said, uh, it's a live television show, if you believe it or not. Oh, uh, oh, what's the topic? And I'm like, I really hesitate in saying this, but I compare Mormonism with biblical Christianity. Oh. So, you know, he checks me out, makes sure I'm not a, fel sure I'm not a felon or something. And he came back and he says, get out of here. So uh, that cut down the whole ticketing process time, and uh, thank God Cassidy and Derek and Danita and everybody handled things, Marnita, and on we go. We personally extend an open invitation to any official representative of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Thomas Monson, his, his counselors, the 12 apostles, general authorities, also to Mr. Scott Gordon Affair and the New Mormon Defense League. League, uh, LDS Internet Defender Jeff Lindsay, and or the Book of Mormon Answer Man on the Internet. We invite you to come. We will pay for the studio time, one hour for you to be up here and tell us what we're missing, where we're getting everything wrong. We, uh, there won't be a debate. I won't sit and debate you. Come and do it. And yet we put this out. We know people are contacting you, but you won't come on. Now, I would go anywhere. I was asked if I could go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ without shame or fear. But suddenly, you're not willing to do that. So think about it. How about a moment from the word? In the last chapter of Matthew, we read two interesting passages relative to Jesus Christ. The first passage is verse 9. The Marys had been to the empty tomb and were told by an angel to go and inform the disciples that Jesus had risen. Verse 9 reads, And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. This worship was the worship reserved only for God. But as they were witnesses to his death on the cross and were now witnessing, witnessing him being alive and overcoming death, they worshipped him as God, since only God can overcome the grave. At the end of the same chapter, verse 18, Jesus says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He had overcome the grave. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. From verse 9, we see that Christ was worshipped. Why? 
because Jesus Christ is God. But the LDS in their division of Jesus from the Father have not always held the Lord in such esteem. In fact, President of the Church Joseph F. Smith said about Jesus, as reported in Gospel Doctrine 1986, page 139, And while we give honor and glory unto the Lord God Almighty for the accomplishment of Jesus' purposes, let us not altogether despise the instrument he chooses to accomplish the work by. What a phrase. We do not worship him. We worship God. And we call upon his holy name, as we have been directed in the gospel, in the name of his son. I was in the MTC and heard LDS Apostle Bruce R. McConkie say, with my own ears, this, the following. We worship the Father and him only and no one else. We do not worship the Son and we do not worship the Holy Ghost. Worship in the true and saving sense is reserved for God the first, the creator. Honest to goodness, when I heard this as a missionary in the MTC, I was filled with pride. And this elitist thing that I felt like, we know that Jesus isn't need, doesn't need to be worshipped. We know that he just makes things of it. He's our elder brother. And so I felt so proud in my heart to be able to go out into the world and share this truth with people and say it's the Father we need to be concerned about. We do not worship the Son. This is the kind of stuff that happens when people make, when they try to attempt to tease apart the idea of God being one of three personages. What makes verse 19 of Matthew so interesting relative to this topic is how it reads. Remember Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, in the name, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Notice Jesus doesn't say in the names of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but in the name. Why singular? One God, three persons, all deserving worship adoration, and our love. Finally, we, before we go to the prayer, it seems like Joel Osteen, pastor of what they say is the largest single standing church in America today, believes Mormonism is Christian. On Mormonism, Mr. Osteen said, I believe that Mormons are Christian. I don't know what, if it's, if it's the purest form of Christianity, uh, like I grew up with, but you know what? I know Mormons. I hear Mitt Romney. I've never met him, but I hear him say, I believe in Jesus as the Son of God. I believe he is my Savior, and that's one of the core issues. Uh, I'm sure there are other issues that we don't agree on, but you know, <laughs> but you know, I can say that Baptists and the Methodists and the Catholics don't all agree on everything, so that would be my take on it. Can I say right here and now, what the fire truck is that guy talking about? Uh, to compare the chasm between Mormonism and biblical Christianity with the topical differences between Methodists and Baptists and, and Presbyterians is one of the most ignorant statements a person who is supposed to be a pastor could make. I mean, seriously. But this is not a new song. In 2007, when Mitt Romney was running for president, uh, a Mormon, he told Chris Wallace of Fox News that Mormons are indeed Christian. He said, well, in my mind, they are. 
Mitt Romney has said that he believes in Christ as a savior. And that's what I believe. So, you know, I'm not the one to judge the little details of it. So I believe they are. Well, here's the gig. A Christian would not, based on their beliefs taken from the Bible, ever would a Christian be allowed into the Mormon church. Never. Bible-believing Christians are not at all in agreement with Mormonism, and Mormonism would be the first ones to admit it. Just listen to quotes from two of Mormon's recent prophets. In the LDS Church News dated June 20th, 18, 1998, page 7, LDS President Gordon B. Hinckley spoke about those outside the church, meaning us, who say Latter-day Saints, quote, do not believe in the traditional Christ. Hinckley said, no, I don't. The traditional Christ of whom they speak is not the Christ of whom I speak. Osteen, would you be happy to hear that some of your congregation in this largest church in America were being recruited and taught by the Mormon missionaries and they became Latter-day Saints? You think that is okay for, to happen? Do you have any idea what that would mean to those people? Do you know that they, if people convert to Mormonism from your flock or any other, do you know what it means to their children and their family? Do you know how twisted their views of God and Jesus and baptism and heaven and hell and the Bible become, you freaking idiot? Do you realize what you're saying when you say that? I mean, it, it puts people in bondage. It puts people in literal bondage that Jesus Christ came to save. This is not a motivational speaking thing that we do, Joel Obscene. This is something extremely important relative to freedom that Christ gives. Mormonism does not bring freedom, Joel. Just listen to what LDS prophet Spencer W. Kimball said. Listen to this quote. When I was a member of the church, he said this. Long before you and I were born, a program was developed by your creators. The principal personality of this great drama where a father, Elohim, the God we worship, perfect in wisdom, judgment, and person, and two sons, Lucifer and Jehovah, meaning Jesus. Can you believe that? This guy explains to all the Mormons when I was in the church that there was this, a program was presented. And the father, the only one that we worship who is good and full of judgment, he had a couple sons there at, when the program was presented. Lucifer and Jesus. That's what the Mormons teach. Does it sound Christian to you, Mr. Osteen? I suppose it must since you endorse them from the pulpit and one of the largest supposed Christian churches in America. The Washington Times says that you have said, quote, that you are always looking for new ways to influence the culture, end quote. I think you're achieving your goal. Doesn't, don't the teachings of this book matter anymore? I mean, doesn't, don't they matter at all anymore? I mean, does it matter, as long as we embrace people and say we love you and that you're, you're okay in what you think and believe, is that what it's all about these days? Does this thing matter at all? Because there is no way you can, you can read this book and say groups like Mormonism are Christian. And so all I can determine is what this book says is not important to anybody anymore. And what a crime we are doing, not only to the body of Christ in this day and age, but to people who are going to listen and believe you. 
and join that church in good faith. People who seek God and will only find themselves in the end shelling out the bucks, putting on garments, swearing oaths in a temple, and, and worshiping a false god. I mean, you should be ashamed of yourself. I hope someone sends this tape to you and you, you think about it and come back and, and everybody who's doing it thinks about it. All right, with that, let's have a prayer. Lord God in heaven, uh, I thank you for getting me out of that ticket. And I thank you for just being able to do the show. And I pray that your spirit will be here and be with people who are speaking in public about this. Uh, they speak without knowledge, Lord. They speak from emotion, not from fact, not from the book that, you sacrifice, that people sacrifice to bring to us. We pray your spirit will be with those who are seeking tonight, callers, audience, wherever they are, our volunteers and staff. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, Joseph got the plates, ran like a fullback four miles with them under his arm, was attacked on three separate occasions by gun-toting thieves, but in the end, delivered them to the Smith home. I think that at this juncture in our narrative, we ought to discuss something that is vital to what happens with the Book of Mormon before we start talking about his translation. Remember, according to the LDS story, that in 1823, Joseph Smith said an angel came to him and told him about these uh, plates buried in a hill near his home. Joseph continued to see the angel on a regular basis, as well as other angels. He visited the Hill Cumorah every year on the anniversary of that visitation for four years. And he continued to search for buried treasure with his buddies to the point that he was arrested and convicted of, uh, in a court of law in, eight, in 1826, three years after the angel Moroni supposedly made the visit. Then last week we explained the story of how he said he went and actually got the plates in September of 1827. That's where we are now. Got all that? Well, I want to pursue a, a, a course of thought here and help you understand something very important that occurred. I'm personally convinced when Joseph Smith, 1826, was given leg bail, that means, Joseph, you're a young man, get the heck out of town and we're going to let you go. That's called leg bail that he began to reflect on his life's direction and decisions. Up to this point, I think the golden plate story was nothing but a buried treasure story he was sharing with all his buddies out there. And when his magic peepstone pals started saying to Joseph, hey man, when are you gonna get the plates? He used a common treasure hunter language of the day and said that the spirit in charge of them wouldn't let him get them, and, and that was how he was able to delay it. Well, men are like this, if you, if, you, if you don't know it. Spend any amount of time with men, and you'll find them full of stories relative to their interests. And they start popping up all over the place. Men like to say, I got a secret fishing hole. You can catch trout this big. I mean, I, I, they, or there's a perfect surf spot, you know, down on the coast that's big. Or there's a really good snowboarding area no one knows about. And hidden maps for buried treasure, you know. Uh, we're just big kids. That's all we are in grown-up bodies. Well, this aspect of Joseph's character was per very much there at this time of his life. And it's downplayed by the LDS. The basis of this talk, I suggest Joseph liked to tell a good tale. I suggest that he, he liked to give people hope and provide people with dreams to believe in, convince them that they were in the know on some secret. 
That's part of the buddy system he was with in the treasure-seeking days. But after the courtroom conviction, Joseph had to start rethinking his life. You see, during this time, he had fallen for a lady named Emma Hale. And she lived in the area where he was arrested. And Emma Hale's father wasn't going to take to Joseph's way of life very much longer. And he was never going to let her, him have her as a wife. So he needed to legitimize his activities somehow. Uh, from all appearances, Joseph didn't do much talking about the plates himself, except to his own family. But this cannot be said of his own father. Apparently, old Joseph Smith Sr. used to run amok saying all sorts of things about these plates and spirits and their origins. And I am of the opinion we can learn a lot about the original story of the golden plates from what his father would say. And so in the Palmyra Reflector, an article was run. And according to the article, the plates were an account of people who lived before Noah's flood. And they hid large rooms full of riches prior to the flood happening. This is what the newspaper reporter wrote. This was in the newspaper. You can read it on the screen. In the commencement, the imposture of the Book of Mormon had no regular plan or features. At a time when the money-digging ardor was somewhat abated, the elder Smith, Joseph's father, declared that his son Joe had seen a spirit, which he then described as a little old man with a long beard, and was informed that he, Joe, under certain circumstances, eventually should obtain great treasures, and that in due time he, the spirit, would furnish him, Joe, with a book which would give an account of the ancient inhabitants, antediluvians, that means people who lived before the flood, of this country, and where they deposited their substance, consisting of costly furniture, etc., and the approach of the great deluge, which had ever since that time remained secure in the spirit's charge, in a large and spacious chambers in sundry places in this vicinity. And then the article adds, it will be borne in mind that no divine interposition had been dreamed of at that period. What that's saying, my friends, is Joseph's father, at the early stages of Joseph telling, hey, there's some buried stuff over here. He told people what it is. It's a, it's a book or it's a, it's a history. Before the, the flood happened and all those people buried their treasures in this vicinity, and when Joseph gets the book, he's going to be able to tell us where all that pre-flood stuff is buried. I would suggest that the Book of Mormon began as a tale for Joseph to tell his pals, and it all started again with buried treasure. And it includes stories of guardian spirits who had charge of them. But when Joseph got in trouble with the law and in love with Emma and wanted the approval of Emma's father, he began to morph the original tales into something more significant. Most authors of fiction do not come up with a fictional story like that. Themes and plots and subplots, they all morph and they expand and they contract and they get cut out and they evolve over time. Such was the case with the Book of Mormon. Parley Chase, a contemporary and neighbor of the Smith family, is quoted as having said, quote, Joseph's family scarcely ever told two stories alike relative of the Golden Bible. This makes perfect sense because just like Joseph Smith's personal history, just like his story of the first vision, just like his teachings on the makeup of God, the Book of Mormon itself was an evolving work. And it started off with one thing and it became something much different. So what was it that congealed 
the early stories of Joseph saying there's some gold buried and his father saying it was Noah's people and all this stuff, or it's just, just some treasures, to it becoming an ancient historical book. You ready for the answer? Another book that was popular at the time, Joseph bumped into it. And the name of it was The View of the Hebrews. I would suggest that the buried gold uh, became a recorded history of an ancient civilization on plate story when Joseph Smith bumped into the copy and story of View of the Hebrews. Can I prove Joseph Smith read View of the Hebrews? No, not directly. But let's look at some of the facts about the book's distribution, about its author, and see where it leads. In the future, we'll examine parallel to parallel between the Book of Mormon and the View of the Hebrews. The first edition of this book, View of, he of the Hebrews, was published in Pulteney, Vermont in 1823, the same year Joseph Smith claimed that he had been told of a buried treasured book. The author was a man named Ethan Smith, he, no relation to Joseph. Ethan was a New England congregational pastor who had graduated from Dartmouth College. Besides authoring View of the Hebrews, he published a number of other scholarly works on Christianity. But View of the Hebrews was a book of conjecture, a fanciful book, and an attempt to explain the origins of the American Indians. This was the purpose of the book View of the Hebrews. Pastor Ethan Smith lived in the same Vermont town as another man named Oliver Cowdery. We will see him later as he becomes a scribe of the Book of Mormon down the road. Not only was Ethan Smith from the same town as Cowdery, he actually pastored the congregational church that Oliver Cowdery's family attended from 1821 to 1826. View of the Hebrews was written by Ethan Smith during these years. In 1825, the year Oliver Cowdery left Pulteney, Vermont for the state of New York, where Joseph was, 1825, uh, this was the same year that View of the Hebrews was being published a second time. What this says is that that book was very popular at that time to a second edition it went. Um, in other words, it could have reached Joseph Smith and his family through normal distribution. They could have got it from a library or they could have purchased it or Joseph could have gotten it from Oliver Cowdery himself. It's important to note that Joseph made it very clear in his revisionist history about the church that he and Oliver never met or knew of each other until 1829. This is so important to Joseph, but I would suspect that he emphasized this to ensure nobody would see the collusion between Oliver Cowdery, Ethan Smith, growing up in the same place, and, them, and Oliver and Joseph coming together, and the Book of Mormon then uh, coming out. What most Mormons don't realize is that Joseph and Oliver were related in two separate lines. Another reason they could have encountered each other well before 1829, and another reason news of Pastor Ethan's book, View of the Hebrews, could have come to Joseph Smith while living in New York. But whether or not Joseph and Oliver knew each other, it's important. that's not the big point. But I would suggest that Joseph Smith was somehow introduced to view of the Hebrews or the concepts in that he used it and its themes as source information to transform the golden treasure story that he had been telling his buddies into a story that has now historical significance. You see, Pastor Ethan Smith, all the way back to 1823, proposed a number of things in view of the Hebrews that Joseph Smith included in the Book of Mormon. 
Even late LDS apostle B.H. Roberts asked the other apostles, please help me understand how to, uh, to, 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 to explain these parallels between view of the Hebrews and the Book of Mormon. We're going to show you some quick uh, 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 comparisons between these two books. Let's run the scroll, and I'll tell you what they are, okay? So, view of the Hebrews. The origin of the American Indians came from Jews who traveled over from the old world. The view of the Hebrews teaches that. The view of the Hebrews teaches the use of extensive quotations from the prophecies of Isaiah, of a future gathering of Israel and a restoration of the lost ten tribes, of people of the new world from the old world going through a long journey northward, which included uh, through seas and lands of many waters. Uh, there was a religious motive for the migration in view of the Hebrews. The civilization, excuse me, the division of the immigrants into a civilized and uncivilized group occurs in view of the Hebrews. There were long wars that erupted between these civilized and uncivilized groups. The eventual destruction of the civilized people by the uncivilized occurred in the view of the Hebrews. An assumption that all native peoples were descendant from Israelites and that their language came from the Hebrew was in view of the Hebrews. View of the Hebrews taught that there was a buried book consisting of yellow leaves which was lost. Ample descriptions of extensive military observatories or watchtowers overlooking them is in view of the Hebrews. A change from a monarchy to a republican form of government is in the view of Hebrews. And the preaching of the gospel in the ancient Americas is in the view of Hebrews. Okay, view of the Hebrews. So these are just a few just to show you that this is not an original book. View of the Hebrews was, was published and written in 1823, Book of Mormon 1829. Six years difference, same themes there in the book. Now listen, upon hearing or reading of Ethan Smith that he said that in the old world there was a book that they had on golden leaves that was buried and lost. Joseph Smith said, hmm, I can put those two together. I can be the one who discovers this book that Ethan Smith wrote, and I can then translate it into this thing called the Book of Mormon. We're going to continue to cover this in the weeks to come, so stay tuned. Let's open up the phone lines, 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. We have calls all over, and I'm going to take the one that says, let's rock and roll, baby. Roy, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, hey, Sean. Hey, Roy. A long time no hear, me, Bucko. How's it going? Roy, have you called the show before? Oh, yeah, I've called you before. Oh, wait, are you the Irishman or the Scottishman? I'm both, laddie. You're neither, so get to your point. Hey, hey, answer me this question, Mr. Sean. See how many of you, can you tell me, how do you think that they translated the uh, Holy Bible from the Urim? And some of them, as you say, he was faking it. And how do you say that they, the other religions can translate it from Hebrew to that? Do you think they did the same thing he did or not? I don't understand your question at all. Repeat it. And get rid of your dialect. It's not working. Well, don't worry, buddy. I will. So, what do you think? Do you think the other religions did the same thing as your buddy Joe Smith you claim he was so famous for? I don't think my buddy translated the gold plates by the Urim and Thummim. I know that the, the, uh, the scripture that we're going to talk about the Urim and Thummim next week 
Uh, oh, hey, Sean, 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 I'm not going to call you next week, buddy. Well, I, I'm, I'm telling... Well, wait, 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 Roy. Question. Uh, no, no, I think I... Religion? No, Roy, I think I did understand wait, your question. Wait, you did or not? I did understand your question, and they did not use a Urim and Thummim to translate anything in the Bible. Oh, so you don't think that they did the same thing he did? Which is what? Translate it the same way. You think Through looking at a stone not. in a hat? No. So how do you know? Do you know? Well... Mr. Pollock's man, do you know? Mr. what man? Do you know? Do I know what? They did it. How they translated it from Hebrew into Latin and then from Latin to Old, to old English? Well, I I haven't seen ever I haven't seen video of the translators, but I do not believe with a fair amount of certainty they ever appeared into a stone to do it. Really? Really? Are you absolutely sure? You're gone. Okay, let's go to Glenn Spanish Fork. Glenn, you're on Heart of the Matter. Uh, hey, Brother Sean, how you doing, sir? Good, how you doing? Hey, good. I just wanted to uh, call you and uh, let you know that uh, a while back I had called you, and at the time I had been LDS for a variety of reasons. I was the, the, the one who converted to Mormonism after growing up in, in the Baptist faith. And oh. I've, in the last month or so, I've experienced a, a, a dramatic change of heart. And, uh, it took my brother, who is a Baptist pastor now and a complete stranger from Farron, Utah, his name is Pastor Tim Laycock, they uh, led me to the Lord, and uh, I have re recently renounced Mormonism, and I'm just, it's been a tremendous experience, and I kind of feel a little, <laughs> I can't believe how ignorant and stupid I was. Well, I was too. Oh. You know, I was too, Glenn. Yeah, I, yeah, I just can't believe some of the things I talked to myself into believing at the time, and it was, uh, it took a lot of prayers from my family and, and a lot of Baptists I knew growing up to get me out of that. Praise God. What a great story. Thank you for sharing it because it gives hope to so many other people who don't understand that it is a process. It does take time. Prayers are so vitally important, but it does happen. Yes, sir, they do. And I would just like to ha ask you guys to please pray for my continued growth and I've gotten into a really good uh, Baptist church in Spanish Fork where I live, Pastor Stephen Martins of Faith Baptist, and it's been a blessing, and I just need your guys' prayers to keep me in your, in your prayers. I'd appreciate that. You got it, and we will. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you later, Glenn. All right, man. You have a good night now. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. You know, he talks about being so stupid. Just sit back for one second, 15 seconds, and think about this. Biblical uh, uh, manuscripts were passed down on scrolls. They were written. And they were, they were handed to each other, and new scribes would take them, and they'd throw the old ones away and just write the new ones once the old ones had worn out. That's what they just kept doing. Passed down, and they have found ancient manuscripts where the, what we have today is validated by those ancient manuscripts. Way, way old. This is, what the, this is what the LDS believed. Think about this. They believed this guy went to a hill. An angel showed him where these plates were. He takes these plates out, and with them is a pair of magic glasses. You gotta think about this. That you put on, and they're like two crystals in giant Elton John frames, and it's by looking through these that they created for him back in ancient America that Joseph is able to translate this book. I mean, just let that sink in your head. Why the magic glasses? 
Why couldn't God have just given Joseph the plates and the power to read them and, and, or somebody to finally read them like we do with other ancient manuscripts? We find the Rosetta Stone and we find these and we learn to understand what they mean. Why does God have to give him magical glasses? Come on, you guys, wake up. See through the forest of this deception. That's what it's about. Okay, we're going to go to Mary in Cedar Hills. First time calling his LDS. Mary, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hi, Mary. I just want to know, isn't a major part of being Christian accepting the Savior in your life and trying to become like him? Uh, absolutely. Okay, so wouldn't, would Christ go around and spend his ministry um, bringing other people down in other religions? It depends on the context. Sometimes, yes. Just like sometimes okay. I do that, too. I do it for an hour a week on a television show, and then I answer emails on it. But I also teach the Bible every week and have for years. So this hey, is one. I think that spending your time teaching people to love Christ and love the Savior and become like Him, but ripping on Joel Osteen. I know he's a great public speaker, but at least he loves the Savior and wants people to become like Him. And at least instead of spending his entire ministry getting up and ripping on the LDS church or the Catholic church or whatever church it is that you spend your days ripping on. An hour a week. You do not emulate what to me is a Christ-like true Christian. And I, I know some really great Christians. Oh, I, I bet you do. do not spend their time. Okay, Mary, you made the point. Let me tell you something. I don't give a rat's rear end what you think. Okay? This is what I care about. Truth. I care about truth. And wait, Jesus, wait, 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 I let you talk, I, wait, I let you, I let you talk, Mary, 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 I let you talk, Mary, 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 why are you ripping on me? Why are you screaming at me? Let me talk. Well, I, you started screaming when I was let me, No, I let you finish. Let me talk. Mary, let, Mary you, you made some propositions here. Let me speak. I don't care what your opinion is of what Christianity is or isn't. We have facts. When someone d dilutes the facts or changes them, I am going to stand up and say Why are you interrupting me? Why are you interrupting me? Trying to be like Christ. But ripping on the prophet of the Mormon church and the person running for the president of the United States, they so what? listen is evil. You're an evil person. What are you talking about? Let me if Jesus was here, he would rip on Monson too. And he would no, say, he don't vote for a Mormon. And he loved them. And he, you know what? You're just deluded. You love them no matter you what care. you did. What are you? He's a really good person, and you've become evil. He's a really good person, and, and I am not a person for speaking truth. you have truth. about you and all your black clothing. All my black. Mary, did you hang up now? No, okay. I didn't. I'm still okay, here. Okay, just let me speak here. Just for a second, without you interrupting. What is truth, Mary? Truth is trying to become like the Savior. And live a on life your, like he did. On your own, wait, Mary. Okay, I just want a simple on your own terms. On your own terms, it's becoming like him, and we try to read how it do you become? Wait, wait, wait. Okay, how do you know who he is and pray to him? How do you become okay. like him, Mary? How do you become like him? Explain that to me. How do you become like him? Yeah. You pray to him, and you develop a personal relationship with him. Okay, but first that doesn't. I gotta stop you. Are you LDS? On others. Are, are you, you as a person become 
have a relationship with the Savior. How does that happen? And then you share that with others by okay. teaching them love and okay. Christ. You don't. Okay, stop, you don't have stop. That okay. At all. You okay. have an evil spirit about you. Okay, I have the evil spirit. And I sent it to the channel. Oh, please, spirit please, King, Mary, and please. I can see it. Can I follow? You can see it. Okay, Mary, are you LDS? Yes, I am. Okay, you know very well you don't pray to Christ. So why are you saying that here? Because you pray in the name of Christ, and in the you name, know but that, you don't pray John, and you know. Okay, I know, I know. That's why I'm calling you out on it. You don't pray to Christ. Well, Christians do. Yes. Christians do. Mormons you do not. You know that I know. And spending Mary, this time ripping on the LDS Mary, church okay, you made your really point. isn't about being Mary, Christian. And I know a real, uh, really, really, I know, really I know. Mary, let's talk about facts, Mary. Mary, you know Christians and Baptists. And, Mary, let's talk about facts, okay? You say that you... You become a you get in a relationship with Jesus Christ. How does that happen, Mary? How does it happen through reading your scriptures and daily prayer? That's how you establish a relationship with Christ. Mary, have you been born again? Yes, I have. How did that happen? How does happen being born again, accepting the Savior into your life, and who's and the, and who's like the Savior? I'm sorry. And who is the Savior? You're Mormon. Tell us who the Savior is. Who is the Savior? Yeah, who is he? he? He's Jesus Christ who died for us. You know that. He, uh, don't, don't add, I know that, okay? Because you, we're having a dialogue here. Let's just, let's just tone it down. So you say, he's, is he God? He is God, yes. He is God, okay. Do you worship him? Yes, I do. Was he created? Yes, he was. He, by whom? Who was, he create who was he created by, Mary? Yes, he was created by our Heavenly Father. Okay, with who? I'm sorry? Where did his spirit come from, Mary? It's always existed. Okay, but where did it come from? Because he's our brother, right? So where did right. Jesus' spirit come from, Mary? It has always existed. No, that, it's, it's always existed in what way? Matter that, matter that has always existed. Matter has always existed, according to Joseph Smith. Was Jesus a created being in his person like Lucifer and like you? His spirit? Yeah, his spirit that came down and took on this body. Was that formed and created by the Father? The spirit, was, the spirit already existed. I know the spirit matter existed, but was the spirit matter formed into the spirit of Christ being a great and noble one prior, quoting the book of Abraham, like yours was and mine was and Abraham, and every inhabitant of the earth was Jesus created it by, in his spirit by the Father in the preexistence. He was created just like us. He's okay, thank you. Now, let me ask you something. If he was created, how did he create all things? He created them with through the heaven, through Heavenly Father. But wait, Scripture says in John 1, He, Jesus, created all things. All. Okay? And the Greek is emphatic that it's all things. How did Jesus create all things? And the reason I point this out, Mary, is because you say, wait, you say, I want to have a relationship. You get that by reading the Scripture, which includes Bible, Book of Mormon, Doctrine, Covenants, Pearl of the Great Price. And you pray to Him, but I want to know who you're praying to, you see, because the Christians, Mary, believe Jesus is God uncreated, no beginning, alpha and omega, no end, and he created all things. Do you believe that as a Latter-day Saint? True, true Christians do believe in the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying there wasn't a Father and Son and Holy Ghost. I want to know about Christ to you, Mary. 
You are, if, you, if you're speaking truthfully, as a Latter-day Saint, Jesus was created in his spirit, just like you and I were. He is our elder brother spiritually. He offered to come down for us. This is so contrary to how Bible-believing Christians believe, Mary. Exactly. It is contrary to how It they is believe. contrary. And so now, on that premise... <laughs> It doesn't no. say that I'm not Christian because it's contrary to how they believe because we, we differ on some things. Some it things? take away that an LDS person is Christian. Okay, Mary, Mary, let's just talk about God, though. His Father, our Father in Heaven. Where did He come from, Mary? He has always existed. Where did He come from? Was He ever a man, Mary? Okay, you're getting way too deep into this. No, I'm just that asking you. Was, was He a man, Mary? He, he may have existed as a man. Okay, so now we have <laughs> another fundamental difference. No, 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 no. We have another fundamental difference. The God we worship is not a man. He's never been a man. He does not have a penis. He does not copulate with Mary into creating Jesus in a body of flesh. So you call here and you spin this screaming yarn, which I'm returning to you now, and you act like, oh, we're so Christian and you're so not, and you have an evil spirit, and, and we're the same. And then when we just ask about five questions, you fail on every one of them. Every single one of them you fail based on what the Bible says. And you call here and you get on my case and you say, I have an evil spirit. You are deceived. This is the reason we do it, Mary. Because everything you believe, everything, is a falsehood relative to biblical Christianity. I feel sorry for you. I don't care what you feel about me. It's irrelevant what you feel. What are the facts, Mary? What are the facts? Research your prophet Joseph Smith's life. Research the doctrines you say you believe in. Go to your temple and swear oaths. If you would like to make a call, You gotta understand when they're screaming, I scream back. It is part of the entertainment. I could sit with Mary right now, have a Diet Coke, eat fries, and talk normally. But when we're in this debate, they call because they have a voice and they think they can show everybody listening how smart they are and how good Mormonism is. And it's a lie. It's part of the fraud. So you gotta hit them right where they're right where they're at so that you can show them you are not telling the truth. I wish Joel Osteen. What, did you notice that she brought up my criticism of Joel Osteen? You know, but before I bowed, she never even mentioned Joel Osteen, but he sided with the Mormons. I wish Joel Osteen would say, Mitt Romney says he believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Why doesn't Joel Osteen say, Mitt, who is, the, who is Jesus? Why doesn't he say, who is God? Why doesn't he say, what do you think of the Bible, Mitt? Why don't you think of all these things? Okay. We have something here. Were you exercising one of the Ten Commandments when you got a speeding ticket? No, I was not. I don't know what one of the ten was. Uh, I was breaking one of the laws of the land, which Paul tells us not to do. Uh, so I'm guilty, just like you are guilty of judging me. So we're equal. Okay. Uh, call 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. And here's another one. Uh, Christian Eric asks, why is it so wrong to vote for Romney? He is a fan of Mitt. Uh, th this is the point. When Mormonism in any shape or form wins, uh, a Mormon wins, Mormonism takes advantage of it. When Mitt Romney is supported by Christian evangelicals and put in the highest office in the land, 
Mormonism wins and they get deeper stronghold in the things of the country and more importantly into the body of Christ. Once a Mormon sits on that throne, you're going to see a huge percentage of unknowing Christians say, well, Mormonism's Christian. So when people knock on that door, the missionaries, and they come to somebody who's not LDS and somebody who says, yeah, I voted for Romney. He's doing a good job, and I imagine he probably could. They're going to say, well, I'll listen to you. And they hear the story, and they join. And guess what? More and more people are put into bondage. So it's not necessary about politics. Politics I don't care about. It's about should a Latter-day Saint, I don't know anything about Mark Romney or, or Huntsman or any of them, but should a Latter-day Saint be in office? And the other point is they swear an oath in their temple that all of their allegiance goes to the building up of the Mormon church. Their taking office, I can assure you, is part and parcel of that uh, obligation that they make. Okay, um, Sean Boone, Muslims, Catholics, uh, why are you the only one who's right? Let me try to wrap it up. No one on the phones. Let me give it this last minute and a half. I'll see if I can do this. Parallels are tough, and I often butcher them. But I want you to imagine that life in this world is like being in Disneyland. Birth is going through the ticket gate, and you're in the Magic Kingdom. That is life on this earth, okay? And in Disneyland are several different attractions and rides. You've got the Matterhorn. You've got Space Mountain. You've got the Haunted Mansion. You've got... Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, you've got Main Street, and each of them represent a different faith. You've got the Hindus and the, and the Pirates of the Caribbean, you've got Methodists and the Matterhorn, you've got Space Mountain and the Seventh-day Adventists, you've got all these different rides, okay? And everybody goes to the one that they like the best, and when they leave and you ask them, what did you like the best? Well, I like this ride the best. That's religion. All the rides and attractions in the Magic Kingdom, religions of this world, and I include all Christian denominations in that too. Now, there's a club there. Does anyone know the name of that private club at Disneyland? Club, I think it's Club 46, Club 56, something like that. We'll call it Club 56. Now, there's a club there, and it's a very elite club. The only people who leave this earth and go to heaven are those people who are members of that club. Now, it's not an elite club. You're not wealthy or powerful or famous to get in that club. You're broken. And while you've been in that park, you have looked up and said, Jesus, I need your blood to save me from my sins. Okay? Only those in Club 56 are going to heaven. All the other amusements and attractions, yes, they're there on this earth. And yes, they do good things. And yes, they're fun and thrilling. Now, there's some people, let's say the Mormons of Main Street, they love Main Street so much. It fulfills them so much. They're never going to become part of the club. Now, some of them might escape and do it, and some of them might stay and still like Main Street, but be part of Club 46, but most of them love the stores and the arcades and the characters running around on Main Street, that they just want to stay there, and that is their, their God, okay? But the people in the Magic Kingdom who they might have enjoyed the different rides and they might always go back to the Matterhorn, in the end, they care most about being in Club 56. And they're there because they're broken and because they know Jesus is the only way. That is my, and so people can come from all the different rides, different faiths, and they can become members of Club 4056, but it's only by those who accept the blood as the only way to get into it. The only way. All the other stuff are just amusements. Okay? So uh, how much time? Shh, 13 seconds. Apologies for uh, almost getting a ticket. Apologies for ranting and raving if you're not a ranting and raver. Uh, be with us next week as we talk about the Urum and Thummim. See you then. Thank you.